Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Open Church uh, Ndola. We meet from Lowenzo Theatre, that's in town centre, just next to Civic Centre. For a couple of months, we've been doing our Sunday services online due to coronavirus pandemic. But now we have got the good news for you. The 28th of June, that's next week Sunday, we are resuming our Sunday services at Lowenthal Theatre. We want to invite you and invite someone to come for our services. For two weeks now, we've been running with the giants from the Old Testament. And today we're going to look at Nehemiah and then uh, look at how God used him in his time and some of the things that we can learn from him. So you come with us and as about now we are doing worship, come with us, we invite you to join in worship with us.
Hello, good morning, Open Church family. It's so nice to be uh, gathered with you this uh, beautiful morning. I hope everybody's fine. I hope everybody's having a wonderful morning. Um, as you all know, we've been, we started a new series. We are, we are in a series called Running with Giants, where we are basically just looking at various spiritual leaders in the Bible, various spiritual people, and just what they experienced and what they went through and what we can learn from their life and their journey as they cheer us on as we run our race. Today, we are looking at Nehemiah, and if you are not familiar with um, the story of Nehemiah, it was in a time when most of Israel, when after Israel had been carried into exile by surrounding nations, 
most of the Israelites were already living in exile. And, um, and now people were returning back to their own homeland. And Nehemiah himself was in Persia. He was serving as a cupbearer to the king there. In fact, Nehemiah could have been born in, uh, could have been born in exile there. And it's possible that he might have never even been to his homeland, which is Jerusalem before. Um, but when, but there was a slight problem as the, as the people were coming back to their home. Most of the war around Jerusalem was in rubbles. It was broken down and the city, and the city gates were burnt down. When this news reached the Maya, it gripped his heart. He was burdened by that news. So he prayed and he fasted. He called out to God. He was like, he said, God, you are the one who called us out of Egypt. You are the one who has chosen us from among the nations. We pray that you may deliver us and help your people. And um, this led Nehemiah to going back to his homeland and initiating the rebuilding of the war around Jerusalem. And today we'll just look at a few points that we can learn from Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah's journey and Nehemiah's experience. Uh, the first one I would like to share with you is passion. Nehemiah was passionate about the things of God. When he was serving in Persia, his life was okay. He lived in luxury. Everything was okay. He served um, almost being second in command to, to the king. He was a very wealthy man. And he, it's safe to say that he didn't lack anything. But just knowing that the, his city, where he comes from, was, um, was in rubbles, crushed him and he prayed earnestly, sought out God because of that issue, because of that. And... His passion just, uh, he just let God's burden, God's uh, desire to be his burden and his desire as well. It looked beyond himself, just where he was, and, and, and sought out to what God wanted and what God desired. And that was his heart. His heart was intertwined with God's heart. And, you know, just looking at Nehemiah, I'm inspired. Just how many times do we do that in our own lives? How many times do we let God's burdens God's desires become our own desires. Most of the time, we are so caught up in our own things and we forget um, what, what, God's goal, what God's vision is for our city and for the entire world. It's so easy when our business is going well, when family is fine, when the career is well. You've, you kind of uh, tend to sink into this comfort zone and, you, uh, and we are almost unlikely to step out of that comfort zone to something more. But Nehemiah was the exact opposite. Life was good in Persia. He was powerful. He was wealthy. He had, he had everything that he needed. But it, that did not stop his passion for wanting to see his uh, city, to see Jerusalem built up again. And that passion of wanting, wanting what God wanted just stirred up a fire in his heart. Um, his passion made him available, you know, it made, him it made himself available to God. I just love the fact that God did not appear to Nehemiah and say, Nehemiah, I want you to go back to your homeland and rebuild the war. Because of his prayer and his fasting and his just um, commitments to God, that God, inspired him, God inspired his heart more and more each day to just return to his homeland and participate in rebuilding of the war. And I just love the fact that because of his initiative, because of what he chose to stand up for, because of what he prayed for and what he did, 
revival came even to the nation of Jerusalem. Revival came to an entire nation because of one man's passion, because of one man's uh, desire. And it's just, it could be the same with us. I really love um, this lyric from a Jesus Culture song that I'm listening to so much now. It says, Lord, come with revival. You can start in me. It's quite amazing. And I, I believe that this was Nehemiah's heart as well. It wasn't looking around for, to say, Who, this is not my responsibility. There's a prince there. There are priests around. They are, this is their responsibility. But Nehemiah made himself available. He said, God, I'm here. Use me for whatever you want. And when the time came, God did just that. Because of his prayer and his communion with God, it was a revival came to the nation of Jerusalem. And um, the second point that we learn from Nehemiah is as you might have guessed it, is prayer. You know, when we're preparing for this, Valina was just telling me that in the book of Nehemiah, there are 14 prayers by, ne- by Nehemiah. And in this book, there are only 12 chapters, but 14 prayers by, ne- by Nehemiah. Prayer was Nehemiah's lifestyle. It's how he lived his life. It's what he depended on. It's how he walked. And it's just um, amazing to think, you know, that he had this burden upon his heart for seeing the wall built around Jerusalem, for seeing, uh, uh, to, for seeing the city, uh, for seeing Judah as a nation rise up again. But he didn't just keep to that passion. He prayed into that passion. He prayed about it. He fasted on that. And God led him step by step uh, into what to do next. Um, if I believe that if Nehemiah was only passionate and not prayerful, it would have given a very frustrated Nehemiah because it was only in prayer that God was leading him, that God was telling him what to do next and where to go. And one, exa- one example I would really like to cite from this is from Nehemiah chapter 2 where he goes before the king and he says, I cannot be happy when my, my homeland is in ruins, when my homeland is in rubbles. And then, and then the king asks Nehemiah, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do? And Nehemiah said, then I went and prayed to the Lord. Prayer influenced his decision-making. Every decision he made was centered around prayer. But for us as well, like for me, just thinking about that, I wonder how how many times have I done the exact opposite, where I've decided to do something, then went to ask God to back it up, you know? Like where I've already set out something in my heart, I'm going to do this, then just pray to God to back that up. But Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah prayed first. Every decision he made was inspired by the living and true God. God was center in his decision making. God was center in his life. You know, even for us, as we live, God's spirit in us stirs up such a passion and such a desire in us. And oftentimes we are in a place where we wonder, how is that even going to be possible? How can I do that? Maybe your heart is for this city, and you're like, I want to see revival fall in this city. I want revival to come upon this nation. And you wonder, how is that even going to be possible? And, you know, what Nehemiah did, he had this passion, he had this burden upon his heart, 
And what he did daily is just prayed and prayed into that. And God led him step by step into where he needed to be. It could be the same for us if we make prayer our lifestyle. And, you know, I just really love, I read this in a book um, some years back. And I just really love the idea that prayer shows our dependency on God. It it softens our hearts to remind us that we need our sovereign God. It was, you know, Nehemiah being who he was, being the cupbearer, being a very powerful man, it's so easy for him to, it could have been easy for him to just rely on his own ability to say, oh, I'm quite, I'm good friends with the king. I'll just ask him. I'm a wealthy man. I'll just take my resources back to my homeland and try to set up this uh, revolution, if you might call it. But no, Nehemiah, that's not what you see when you read through the book of Nehemiah. What you see is this man who's solely dependent on God. Even for the smallest things, he committed that into prayer. His, his heart was, God, help us in this. God, lead us in this. God, what's the next step to, to make? And I just really love that about him. And, you know, you kind of see that in the life of Jesus as well. Jesus, being the Son of God, was in constant communication with his Father. He was always saying, I can do nothing about from the Father. And I believe that it should be the same with us, you know. The more we rely on our own ability, in our own strength, the more we uh, fail, so to say. And the more we, lie, we lose out on God's provision and God's flow and God's power in us. I really believe that God wants to do a new thing. God wants to do a mighty thing, just like he did in Nehemiah's time. And he's going to use people just like you and me. You see, Nehemiah was not... It wasn't Nehemiah's responsibility to do the war. Like I said, he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prince. He wasn't even living in that, uh, in that area at the time. But because of his availability, because of his passion, because he committed himself to God, God used him to do a really, really mighty thing in, in, the, uh, in the history of Israel. It could be the same with us. I've really been inspired reading, at this, uh, reading this book, just knowing that one man's faith, uh, one man's commitment, one man's prayer, one man's devotion to God can turn the entire city the entire nation upside down, can restore an entire nation. And God is just tearing up in individuals, in, in people just like you and me. So I said to you, what is your passion? What is, what's the burden that God has put on your heart to, to see, to see comfort for, for, for this city, for your family, for whatever it may be? What is that thing that you are burdened by? I ask you, pray about it. Do like Nehemiah, commit it into prayer, and let God lead you step by step, and before you know it, you, it will, there will be revival, there will be restoration, there will be a new life. Nehemiah aligned himself with the will of God, and that's what prayer does. You know, somebody said that prayer does not change God, prayer changes us. And most of the time, our wills and our desires are so... Um, twisted up that we are seeking our own selfish ambition, that we forget that there is one who has called us to much, much more than ourselves, to something bigger than ourselves. But that's what prayer does. When we pray and we are in constant communion with God, we, are, we start to catch his vision. We start to catch his heart. You know? We start to 
to live according to what you, we start to be burdened by, what, by his burdens. And when we are in that state, God provides uh, power, God provides ideas, God leads us to where it needs us to be to bring restoration and revival in our various areas. So, um, yeah, passion and prayer. And right about now, I would just like to encourage Valina to the pulpit as she comes and shares the next points we can learn from Nehemiah. Thank you, Samson. Nehemiah was a hero whose passion and prayer life is exemplary. And it's my prayer that each one of us will develop these amazing qualities in our lives. But I know some people who are very passionate about what they believe in, and yet they never make a move to make a difference in society. And there are some people who can be gripped by passion and even really prayerful, but they're always praying for God to send somebody else, and they don't realize that they can be part of the solution to the problem. I love this about Nehemiah because he was a man who shaped history. He had amazing courage, and this made him step out and become part of the solution to the problem. So what is it to be courageous? It's to be brave. It's a quality of mind and spirit that enable a person to face difficulty, danger, or pain without giving in to fear. Now, a lot of us think that courage means that we have no fear, but really it is the ability to control that fear, to rise over and above it and not be deterred by danger and difficulty and unpleasantness. And this is what Nehemiah did. He was able to overcome against all odds. When we look at the people of Israel who had been in exile and captivity for 70 years, God raised up the Emperor Cyrus, who was at that time running the Persian Empire, and he put it on his heart to decree that the Jewish people could return and rebuild their land. And the first group to return were under the leadership of a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. We read about him in Ezra from chapter 1 up to chapter 6, where it speaks about Zerubbabel going back and he rebuilt the temple and it was dedicated at that time. Then later on, we read from chapter 7 to chapter 10 of Ezra about Ezra, the priest, who led another group, another remnant of, of um, Israelites back to their city to rebuild. There were about 1,500 families um, that returned and um, uh, settled down there. And so another 70 years go by. And this is when the brother of Nehemiah, his name was Hanani, he came back to Persia after visiting Israel. And he told his brother Nehemiah about how their walls were still broken down. This is 70 years after the temple has been rebuilt. And still the walls surrounding the city were in rubble. It was just um, in, in disgrace. And the people lived in defeat and despondency, and this burdened and impassioned Nehemiah's heart so much. Because this was the city where God's name dwelt. And yet this God of all creation, the God of all the earth, the city where his name dwelt was in ruins. Now there was a lot of reasons why the, the wall hadn't been rebuilt before now. And we won't go into all of those now, but one reason was just the main sheer size of the project. 
we think about rebuilding a wall, and maybe you think of a wall fence like around your house, which we have these little six-inch or eight-inch bricks that we build with. But the wall that surrounded the city of Jerusalem was about two and a half meters wide. It was wide enough to ride a chariot across, or you could walk a group of people on top of it. And it was as high as 12 meters high. So this was a serious big wall. And when they had to go about doing this, um, it was no small feat. Whenever we step out in faith to do something significant for God, the enemy takes notice and will try to intimidate and to derail you. And many times we get surprised when we step up to do something for God, then all this intimidation and all this opposition rises up. But this is because the enemy wakes up and notices, and he won't let you get by with it without at least trying to discourage you and to stop what God has put upon your heart. And this is exactly what happened to Nehemiah. He had opposition on all sides. Um, There were enemies of Judah, and there were a lot of different things that um, happened to discourage them. And I want to share some of them, because although this happened 2,500 years ago, The Bible says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And though these guys had names, it was the spirit behind it. It was the enemy, Satan himself, who was trying to destroy the work of God that God had sent Nehemiah to do. And the first um, opposition that they were met with, as soon as Nehemiah declared to the officials and the nobles and the people of the city that we're going to rebuild these walls. The first thing that happened was in chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Jeshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and they ridiculed us. What is this you're doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? So the very first thing, as soon, even before they laid the first brick, there was mocking and there was ridicule. But Nehemiah's response was, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. And some of you, when God has put something great on your heart to do, and you've got all that courage and passion to go out, as soon as people start laughing and mocking and saying, did God really tell you that? Some of us lose courage. But this is when we have to do like Nehemiah and remember that our God will give us success. If he's called us, he will enable us to do it. Secondly, there was anger and wrath. In chapter 4 and verse 1, when uh, Nehemiah and the people started the work, Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, and he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. But Nehemiah's response in verse 4 was prayer. Hear us, O our God. For we are despised. So imagine, you can even rise up and decide to, do, decide to do something good for God's kingdom, but the enemy gets angry. And that anger and wrath will be expressed through other people. And we need to keep our focus straight and stay in prayer and stay passionate about what God's called us to do. Now, when these things didn't um, make Nehemiah stop and the people stop, the intimidation and the opposition escalated. It became stronger. The next thing were threats. 
in chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says that they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God. And then we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. So now they're not only praying, but they're even putting guards to work. So here they are busy rebuilding the walls, and there's guards on duty all the time in case they will be attacked by the enemies. And as if this wasn't enough, the next step was discouragement and fear. In chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. So the people started getting discouraged because the job was so great. And in verse 11, it says, Also our enemies said, Before they know it or before they see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. And in chapter 4, verse 12, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Wow, what intimidation. (laughs) You're just trying to do a good thing here, and everybody is rising up against you. But Nehemiah's response was that he stationed some of the people at the lowest points of the wall, at the exposed places, with swords and spears and bows. And then Nehemiah said to the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, for your wives and your homes. And the work continued. But they had to live with that awareness all the time. In fact, they um, increased their security so much that there was half the people were on duty, just looking out for the enemy. And Nehemiah even says, we didn't get even get undressed at night. We slept with our sword by our side because we wanted to be ready at any time. And Nehemiah, when he walked around to inspect the walls and the work that was going on, he had a guy carrying a trumpet. And they had agreed that at any time, if an attack happened at any place on the wall, the trumpet would be blown and everybody had to rush there and help. So imagine living under that constant fear and intimidation that the enemy is going to attack at any time. And yet they continued to build and to build. And then the next attack came. When these enemies, the opposers of Nehemiah, they saw that they couldn't stop the people from rebuilding, they attacked the leader himself. And they brought false accusation. They wrote a letter to him and said that we are going to report you to the king of Persia, Artaxerxes, and tell him that you're actually plotting a revolt, that you're setting yourself up to become king, and you're rebelling against him as your leader, and we're going to report you. And they hoped that this would intimidate Nehemiah so much that he would stop the work. But yet, instead, in verse 11, it says, they were trying to frighten us, thinking, Their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. But Nehemiah's response was, I prayed. Now strengthen my hands, God. So it seemed like the more the onslaught of the enemy, the more Nehemiah rose up and became stronger and more determined not to give up and not to give in. That's courage. That's courage. And that's one of those qualities that we need, my friends. 
If we can allow that courage in our hearts to believe that our God is greater than every attack of the enemy, then we will be able to accomplish great things for God. In verse 15, the Bible says that the walls were built within 52 days. That was nothing short of a miracle. This mighty project was accomplished in 52 days. And then it goes on to say in verse 16, all of our enemies heard about this. And then all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that, realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. So now these big, huge, opposing, threatening um, um, enemies, all of a sudden, it was all just lies and smoke screens. All of a sudden, when they saw that God was for them and enabled them to do this great work, suddenly it all collapsed. And from one day to another, the enemy just became afraid and lost their self-confidence. There was no substance to all those lies of the enemy. And that is the truth in our lives as well. Many times the enemy can look so big and so intimidating and so great, and yet it's just lies. It's just smoke screens. And the truth is that you, if you focus on God and focus on what he's called you to do, the enemy will lose his puff and he'll run away. Jesus came here to this earth with a mission to rebuild and to restore the lives of broken people. That is why Jesus came. The Bible says that he came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of God's favor. And when Jesus came to earth, what he came to do was to give us Instead of ashes, a crown of beauty. And the oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus came to this earth to restore the broken walls in our lives. To take away the disgrace that the enemy and that sin has brought in our lives. He came to rebuild, to renew, and to restore our lives. And the Bible speaks of us that when we receive this restoration in our lives, we become like oaks of righteousness. Those are big, strong, huge trees that nothing is going to knock over. We will be like oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God is raising up a people, restoring the walls, the broken walls in our lives so that we can become oaks of righteousness and we can become um, people who dis display the splendor of God. For what purpose? Oh, God wants to give us a passion on our heart for the broken and lost lives that are out there who do not know about his love yet. God has called us and commissioned us to go out and rebuild the broken walls of the people around us who do not know him yet. To restore and to renew and to rebuild. That's what we're called to do. How many of us are willing to receive that passion that God has on his heart for our broken city and our broken nation? How many of us are willing to allow, just as Nehemiah did, to weep over our city, to pray for our city, to fast for our city, and believe God to restore the brokenness and bring healing and restoration to our, to our nation? Courage is a beautiful quality that all of us need more of in our lives. 
And I want to conclude with a final quality that I find so amazing in the life of Nehemiah. He was focused. He was a man of focus. When you're focused, you give special attention and concentration. You have clarity on what it is you want to achieve. This intensity makes other things fade in comparison. It's like when you focus a camera. You focus it on one specific thing and everything else kind of fades out. It goes out of focus. That is what it is to be focused on something that you want to achieve. We need to have clear vision. But more than that, we need to maintain focus. There are so many people who start off well with a clear vision and a clear goal and something they want to do for God. But then they lose focus along the way and they get derailed, and they never accomplish what God called them to do. Many people start well. Few people finish well. We need focus so we can continue to stay on the course that God has called us to and to finish the race that he's called us to run. Nehemiah served as governor in Judah for 12 years before he returned to Persia again. And in Nehemiah chapter 5, we read in verse 14 to 16, Nehemiah speaking of himself, Neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor, but the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Many people start off well, and they lose the plot. You can think of Nehemiah becoming a government politician, and he's got power, he's got success, people are looking up to him, and all of a sudden there can be other things that are tempting him. Here he's talking about how other governors before him, they used to take money from the people, they used to um, insist on food and wine um, to be served to them, and this was actually, because Nehemiah was the governor, this was actually his right. He had a right to claim these things, but he didn't claim it because he didn't want to put extra pressure on the people. And um, yet it says in the Bible that he had up to 150 people eating at his table. So it wasn't like he had a little family. He had all sorts of officials and nobles eating at his table. So he had a lot of people to provide for, but he didn't want to put pressure on the people and a bigger burden than what they already had to take their focus away from the main job, which was to rebuild the wall. And then he also says that they didn't acquire any land. Now, this was probably, I'm sure, another temptation for Nehemiah and his people, because how many of us wouldn't want to acquire land and start building our homes of our own and get focused on that? But Nehemiah says, out of reverence for God, I didn't act like that, but I devoted myself to the work that I'd come to do. The enemy tries to hinder the rebuilding with intimidation from enemies all around. But if he fails to hinder us from rebuilding the walls of our lives, he will derail us. He will try and attempt by all means to derail us from fulfilling the destiny that God has for us. 
by bringing all sorts of temptations that come from the within. It can be temptations like greed, pride, lust for power, position, and wealth. All these kind of things are temptations of the heart. If we don't keep our heart right before God, we can start off so well and end up going in the wrong direction because of these temptations. Maintaining humility, reverence for God is the key. So may God help us to stay focused, to stay focused on what he's called us to do, to keep a heart of humility and reverence for God so that we do not give in to these temptations that will be all around us as we do the work of God. Jesus had a very clear focus when he came here to earth. His goal was to redeem mankind from death by taking our punishment on himself. Because of his passion and his dedication and his courage, the walls in our lives that were broken down by sin, all the disgrace and the failure that we've lived under because of sin, Jesus triumphed over it on the cross. Hallelujah. He, Jesus Christ, is here to rebuild, to renew, and to restore your life today, wherever you're at in your life. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, but your life is like a broken down wall and the enemy is invading and walking all over and you're not living in victory, you're not living in that life that God has called you to, he's here today. He wants to restore and rebuild. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. And he's here today to empower you to go forth like Nehemiah, to shape history for the honor of his name. I believe that God is taking us into a season where he's raising us up as a church. Not just to be um, caught up with the things that pertain to ourselves, but to receive his passion on our heart and a burden to pray for that passion to come to pass in our city. To give us the courage to rise up and go forth and be focused to accomplish what God has called us to do. God wants to restore our city and our nation. God wants to change and turn the city upside down for him. And God wants to use you, and he wants to use me. So let us be available to God today. Let us allow him to give us passion, to give us a heart to pray, to give us courage, and to give us focus. I just want to close in prayer now. Father God, we come to you this morning. Father God, how we need you. How we need you, God. We ask you, Father God, that you will place upon our hearts the passion that you have for our city, for the lost souls of this city, God, for a broken down city whose walls need to be restored and rebuilt. Father, may you give a burden and a passion on our hearts to be used by you in whatever capacity and whatever, whatever giftings you've given us, God, to go out with courage to serve you and make a difference for you in this time and this season that you've put us in, God. 
I pray, Father God, that you'll stir up a spirit of prayer in our hearts, God, that we will not settle to do this in our own strength, but Father, realize that this is greater than ourselves. And Father, may we come to you on our knees. May we seek you as Nehemiah did with prayer and fasting, oh God, and may you give us direction, Father, and how you want us to accomplish the great task that you've put upon us. Lord, I pray for courage in our hearts to rise up for you, God, and to stand in the gap for our city and our nation. I pray for courage, God, to rise up against all the opposition of the enemy and all the intimidation of the enemy. I pray, Father, that you will restore, you will renew, you will raise them up, O oh God, and make them oaks of righteousness, O oh God, that will display your splendor in this time and this season. Lord God, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we may be focused on what you've called us to do, that we will not be derailed from the destiny that you have placed upon our lives. But like Nehemiah, God, may we be able to accomplish what you send us to do, God. Father, may we be faithful servants in your kingdom. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hope you enjoyed. That was really good spending time in the Word of God. Um, we want to remind you again this coming Sunday, the 28th of June, we are resuming our Sunday services from Lowento Theatre. Invite someone, come with someone as we spend time again together in fellowship with one another and in fellowship with God. Remember to like and subscribe both on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page. And also, if you are in need of prayer and counseling, please check the following information on uh, the numbers. You can call me or call Pastor Lina and we can stand together with you. And if you, you would like to give in, uh, tithe or your offering, Feel free to check the following details as well and God bless you. Enjoy the rest of the week.